Chapter 2 Induction Sikana Spaceport Security Incident Report One Scola Sikana candidate was terminated due to altered ID codes. Assigned name McKittrick, female, age 18, Gamma Standard Rating. The body has been released to Sikana City for recycling. One witness was taken into custody. Assigned name Silver, male, age 18, Delta Standard Rating. The witness was released to Escola Sikana Proctor. The arriving shuttle has been sterilized and returned to service. No further action is planned. Our universe was decidedly stacked against the schemes of humanity. Scientists calculated that dark energy dwarfed the amount they could detect or control through mundane means. It existed in another dimension, a chaotic part of our universe known as the Sea of Souls, or the Warp, or the Immaterium, and differed from that which moved the material world in one key aspect. Dark energy contained a spark, a devious intelligence that, if collected and guided, could form and function as an unreal entity. It stole through the veil, using our inhuman souls as conduits, and brought us chaos at every turn. Those cursed with an extremely rare genetic mutation could detect, store, and manipulate dark energy, melding it or converting it into something impossible yet impactful. Our inherent twist meant that psychers weren't entirely human. We were incredibly valuable and dangerous at the same time, and it seemed like we would always be treated as such. I'll take him from here. An unarmed official of the Astra Telepathica had been waiting for me. The man's robes were immaculate and trimmed with a brilliant mineral that I assumed was native to Terra. The guards didn't argue as he waved them away, and a member of the nearby Medic-K crew handed me a small towel to clean the blood and vomit from my chin. Rough landing. I felt relieved as the security forces left us alone. The official replied, Someone had it even rougher than you. Her name was McKittrick. I think she was my age. The man seemed surprised that I knew her name. He held out his hand. I'm Bertram Chinasa, a proctor of Scola Sikana, and I am your sponsor for the coming year. I thought him brave. Silver. You don't have a given name? Silver was a given name, but Chinasa expected something else. Parrick. You'd have thought I cracked a joke by the way he smiled. Quite. Now we are late for your induction. I'm sure your class is anxious enough to complete the rite. An underground tram carried us from the local spaceport on the outskirts of Sykana into the heart of the city. We exited the tramway a block from the Temple of the Ecclesiarchy. Sykana was a city as tall and densely populated as any hive I'd ever seen. The scola that gave it its name only covered a few key sectors as part of a far larger section owned by the Astra Telepathica. Scola Sykana's heavily guarded campus hugged the surface, while the Dean of Sykana lived in an overhive sector that towered more than a mile above. In a way, over the millennia of the Imperium's existence, the planet of Terra had grown into a single, enormous hive city. The boundaries of countless urban clusters blurred together, growing deep into the earth and up. At certain points in the day, natural sunlight flowed directly into the city's uppermost avenues. There were filters of machined glass to bring it into a suitably healthy spectrum, but it felt unbelievably real to someone that had never experienced a sun's true warmth. The rulers of the imperial cult held sway on every planet. With high gothic ceilings and brilliant gold-tinted windows, the enormous temple matched the pattern of those found everywhere in the Imperium. My class, what remained of it, waited at the farthest end with their well-clad sponsors 
and a bevy of other officials. Armed guards stood in the wings while the golden face of the Emperor shined down from the windows overhead. I'm Cardinal Mullen, Associate Dean of Scola Sicana. My superior sends his apologies for being unable to welcome you today. We're here to extract a pledge and grant you admission as Sanctionites into Scola Sicana. At the end of this rite, you'll have attained legal standing within the Imperium and be freed from our harshest measures. Standing does not imply that you will be free of scrutiny, daily evaluation or punishment, but your existence and potential will matter in the eyes of the Emperor. The Cardinal sounded as though he'd given the Dean's apologies hundreds of times in his career and could recite the opening remarks in his sleep. Your destiny now belongs to the Astra Telepathica until we state otherwise. That could be in one year, three years, or five, though it might be far longer for those deemed most trustworthy. Your goal should be to find a path that most benefits the Imperium. Learn it, master it, and by doing so you will show us that you have the character to take your own next step. Are there any questions before we begin the rite of induction? A girl on the far left of our group spoke up. We seem to be one short of our original number. The others didn't know. They'd exited out the back of the shuttle, herded away from the row where McKittrick and I had been seated. She didn't make it, I said, and before anyone could ask what I meant, I tapped my collar once and frowned. Cardinal Mullen didn't miss a beat. He started with the girl on the far left, having her introduce herself and take the oath of an Astra Telepathica Sanctionite. As the girl, a 14-year-old Epsilon Prime named Dawn, completed the rite, a wand was pressed against the back of her neck, and a loud click echoed throughout the temple hall. Several classmates jumped at the sound, including Dawn. Cardinal Mullen quickly explained that was the sound of her collar's lethal implant being permanently disabled. Nobody was in the mood to cheer the good news. Becoming a sanctionite wasn't the same as being sanctioned, not even close. But it was the first step at reclaiming our lives and a bit of what we'd lost when a genetic aberration became the defining force in our existence. Alpha and beta-level psychers were beyond rare and potentially world-shattering. Few were ever allowed to live past the moment of their detection. Delta standards seemed to be the mean rating for Class 1137 Lima. We had two powerful gammas and three epsilons to go with two delta primes and two delta standards. The youngest recruits were the gammas, a girl of 13 named Whisper, and a boy of 14 named Jinx. Their collars seemed to run a bit hotter than the rest of ours. The other males were both 15 and Epsilon rated. Of the females, there were two near me in age, a 17-year-old Delta Prime named Onyx and a 16-year-old Delta Standard named Helix. I went last, Peric Silver, 18, Delta Standard. Everyone sighed as I completed my oath to the Emperor, and the final pop echoed in the high ceilings of the temple hall. Our relief was palpable, if not wholly complete. What happened to your eyes? said Jinx. He wore an exotic, dark-haired look and a mischievous smile. My what? I rubbed my eyes and blinked. Probably a bit of warp dust from the trip in. Everyone took a half-step closer to check out my freshly painted blues. I'd forgotten to maintain their color over the past few weeks of cowled seclusion and realized that the final picture I'd offered Brianne Holland had been tarnished by an alien silver sheen. I should never have looked back, but I did. How could I not? How did you do that? Said Helix. Your eyes were silver a second ago. Helix was athletic in stature and wrapped far tighter than Jinx. Her eyes were a pleasing amber. I shrugged. My name is Silver and my eyes are blue, but sometimes I get mixed up. 
That brought a few smiles to the angst-ridden faces around me. Our sponsors thanked Cardinal Mullen and led us on a long walk out of the temple compound and through the semi-random avenues of Scola Sicana, ending at its habitation blocks. Hab blocks, towers, and narrow streets ruled the layered landscape. Our view of the open sky was blocked by hundreds of towers and dozens of city sectors stacked above us, but a sliver could be seen at the right spots. In the subterranean levels of the hive city, artificial sunlight was piped in for the enrichment of all. Our hab, Neutral Zero Two, was five stories tall and smaller than most. It appeared more vacant than not. Every class was given their own floor to share, and every recruit had their own modest suite. The doors to the building, hallway, and rooms were bio-locked to each of us and reinforced with ceramite. It seemed like overkill at the time. Proctor Chinasa showed me into my austere room. As my sponsor, he was on hand to provide the clues I would need to survive my first year, but his eyes latched onto the power glaive leaning in the corner. That's a fine weapon you've got there. Know how to use it? Barely, I said. It's more of a distant companion. My protective bodysuits and armor were stashed in a walk-in closet, along with a dozen sets of the Scola Sicana uniform. A sanctionite wore rugged, dark gray leggings and a fitted long-sleeve shirt in black. These paired with a waistcoat in a bland medium gray with blood-red diagonal stripes. It was hard to miss. The shirts would stretch enough to slip over one's head and collar, providing a protective layer around one's neck that reduced the collar's constant bite. None of it offered any sort of protection from the real hazards of Sykana, most of which wore the same ugly uniforms. The Scola attire has been sized to your dimensions and is only required during active Scola hours, 0700 through 1900 each day. The basement of this hall holds the automated laundry and dining room shared by the classes assigned to Neutral Zero Two. And the guard towers outside? Manned 24 standard hours a day with sensors to detect psychic surges and warp anomalies. Recruits are known to lose control at times or attract things better found on the other side of the veil. I wondered if my sponsor had seen my complete background dossier. With the way he was fishing for information, I assumed not. From my conversation with Inquisitor Kostin, the communication channels between the different ordos of the Inquisition seemed glacially slow, with need to know being the key driver. Teodoro Locke was an Inquisitor of the Ordo Malleus, the Demon Hunters, while Costain was Ordo Hereticus, the bane of witches and rogue psychers. The Inquisition operated without limits under an imperial mandate to do whatever was required to counter the taint and the fall of mankind. With the vast majority of the universe spinning in chaotic opposition, the Ordos's enormous task would never end. Shortcuts to permanent solutions were often taken. I tapped my collar, with the violent hard stop disabled, how do they handle a psyker that loses control? Several ways. You might have noticed the conspicuous presence of weapons outside, and they aren't there for show. The guards wield stun wands or hell guns, depending on the potential threat. The Inquisition has its own weapons foundry and its own special additions. The Ceramite might protect your doors for a few minutes, but the walls here are only made of plascrete. Any other methods? Chinasa's voice turned sour. You'll find out tomorrow. I'll be on my best behavior until then. Parik, one last item. You're one of the oldest of this class, and from what I can see, have a touch more confidence than the rest. Between that and your stature, you are a prime target of any scholar psychers that might think of messing with 1137 Lima. Being a lightning rod is a sure way to end up in the recycling facility. 
Better me than whisper or jinx, right? Proctor Chinasa took a second to process that response. If that's your way of thinking, I will tell you one secret among the many that inhabit the walls and minds of Scholar Sikana. Whisper was brought in via the black ships after she electrocuted her entire family and burned out all of the power nodes in her civic subsector. She was simply having a nightmare and woke up to find an electrical storm raging around her. If all of that is true, why are you telling me? Parik, some students here are incredibly powerful, some less so. Some have control and some have none. Be careful who you piss off and who you get to know. What if someone tries to mess with me? Everyone will try to control you until they can trust you. It's a rule that exists far beyond the bounds of Skola Saikana. How did Whisper get her name? Chinasa sighed. Reports say that after her outburst, she screamed for an entire month until the Inquisition arrived and fitted her with a cowl. Everyone here has been given a new name to hide a tragic story, even a silver-eyed devil like yourself. Point taken, I replied. Tomorrow your class will undergo orientation and be given the rules of engagement. You make it sound like we're stepping into a war. It was Chinasa's turn to shrug. You're all psychers stepping into a new life. You wield the chaotic power of the Immaterium under the mandate of the Emperor of Mankind. If you're not trained for war now, how will you hope to survive later? I appreciate the warning. He smiled. Welcome to Sikana. Stick together, watch your back, and make sure no one tries to leave the sector. With Chinasa gone, I took a better look at my closet. Three custom-fitted Fibrex bodysuits hung alongside the Astra Telepathica uniforms. The bodysuits would fit snugly under my uniform and stop most blades and bullets from penetrating my skin. I doubted they'd come in handy here. Three expensive vests offered layers of silvery ceramite plating, front and back. Again, overkill for the halls of Skola Sikana. Or so I thought. Carefully folded and tucked away in a drawer was a Dura leather work of art. The long black designer coat had its own built-in layers of protection plus several hidden pockets. It was pristine, untainted. The coat was a sign that maybe I hadn't died in the minds of a few back home on Fulcrum 4. Its predecessor certainly hadn't survived my demise, and neither had I. The echoes of a monster's roar still vibrated within me, rattling my soul. Its name could never be forgotten. Han. I tucked my metacuffs into a pocket and admired the perfect soft feel of the coat's protective synthetic leather. Before I knew it, I was wearing the jacket and staring at my image in the hollow mirror, trying to catch a glimpse of a young man before his life and humanity had fled. Silver. A woman's silky golden voice popped into my head, but sadly the room around me was empty. Say my name, I answered back. Silver, I need you. I could imagine the sultry vixen's breath on my neck. Just tell me where and when. Feth. The voice switched to the shrill of an overexcited teenage girl. At the end of the hall, hurry. I left my room and found Jinx pointing up the hall toward the screams of several teenage girls. He looked frightened. Catfight, I said. No, it's Whisper. Feth. The lights in the hall began to flicker, and I could feel a lightning bolt begin to take shape in the room at the far end. Yelling for everyone to stay back, I raced into Whisper's suite. Onyx was on the floor, trying to crawl clear and grimacing in pain. That witch fried. Was all she got out as a blinding white light exploded in the air between us. Peric Meatwall. Wall. Peric. Onyx caught the brunt of the blast and collapsed to the floor. In the corner of the room, 
the wet green eyes of a teenage girl scanned about for her next target. Backed by an unearthly glow, steam seemed to rise from her skin. Not trusting myself to stand up, I did the only thing I could do. I rolled across the floor and crawled in a panic toward Whisper as the next strike built in her mind. In any race, keep your eyes on the prize. You can always vomit later. As the girl's eyes cycled down to me, I lunged forward and wrapped my fingers around her ankle. Her mind was like a cauldron of plasma bubbling over, and I fought for ownership of the energy in an unreal tug of war. In an instant, Whisper let go, and I went blind as her vibrant energy poured into me. She was young. The jolt was maniacal yet pure and wholly undirected. I consumed it all and shunted most of it away into my power glaive at the other end of the hall. The movement of unreal energy was the first talent I'd ever learned regarding my parasitic psyker abilities. Suddenly, my designer coat was wearing whisper. Lacking the means to remain awake, she'd passed out and toppled forward. That was my second skill, stealing energy from more powerful sources. The act took a deft touch and the ability to discern between different types of energy. Taking too much life energy at once could kill the other person rather than simply knocking them out. Silver, are you okay? Helix crouched beside Onyx, holding both of the dormant woman's wrists. I'd probably be floating on the ceiling if it wasn't for the dead weight across my shoulders. Jinx, get in here and help put Whisper to bed. The 14-year-old psyker halted at the door, watching Whisper float up, over, and into her bed without a hitch. You did that, I said, still enjoying the soft feel of the etched plascrete floor. Yes, replied Jinx. You mind giving me a lift, too? In a slow second, I was upright and raised my hand to let Jinx know that was enough for now. Thank you. I reached into my jacket and held out the pair of medicuffs to Helix. Helix shook her head. Save those for when I'm not around. As if on cue, Onyx began the promising task of coughing and moaning in agony. Her short black hair still smoked, and she'd been seared along one side. Her scrubwear hung in tatters, and I could see patches of old scars beneath it. Give us some privacy, will you? Said Helix. I walked over and gently closed the door on the rest of our crew. How is she? I was talking about you giving us some space. I've got, I mean, I had two sisters. Do we need to get her to the Medicaid? It's downtime. We're not supposed to go out until the morning. I'm not sure that it's safe. You didn't answer my question. She's stable, but in a ton of pain. It appears she's been burned before. Well, some girls know how to pick them. Helix gave me a hopeless look. How are you helping her? I said. I'm a biomancer. I can coax her body back into a proper state of being and trigger her heart to beat in sync with mine until it finds its own rhythm. Then why is she in such agony? I could sense the harsh ripples of pain running through Onyx's body. It came in waves. Given a push, it still takes time for the body to heal. And it's usually the nerves that come back to life first. To me, pain was a weak form of chaotic energy. I'd met those with the talent to deliver it in torturous amounts. Tell me if this messes anything up. I placed my hand on Onyx's arm and invited the pain in her body to leave the room. Once joined with my silver-tinted flow, the pain rushed forth and the blade of a priceless power glaive glowed brighter at the far end of the hall. Onyx's moaning stopped and the wounded young woman's breathing seemed to ease. Better, said Helix. I could see she wanted to know what I'd done. She could ask me about it whenever she was ready. My soul collected a trickle of chaotic energy directly from the warp, but I could handle a whole lot more. You might call it an addiction. 
I took off my vomit-stained shirt and laid it gently across Onyx. Have Jinx move her down the hall into her own bed. If she starts to moan again, let me know. What are those? Helix pointed to the marks on both of my shoulders. What do they look like to you? They're more than scars. Names, perhaps? The power in her perception startled me. They're nothing for you to worry about. I could see that didn't cut it, so I told her the meager truth. Before I came here, I was in a gang. What kind of gang? The worst kind. It's where I got the name Silver. They call me Helix because I've always been so screwed up. She held out her hand. Her golden brown eyes matched her hair and distracted from the pale pink color of her lips. I thought about Proctor Chinasa's words of warning as I gently grasped Helix's hand. You don't seem screwed up. Helix didn't grimace as she took a deeper look. Did your ship crash on the way here? You look pretty on the surface, but the number of pins and sutures left inside you tells a different story. I let go of her hand. I'll take that as a compliment and see you in the morning. After weeks of blissfully guarded seclusion, my day had become a string of nightmares. The beds here lacked restraints, but the armed guards were posted outside for a reason. Saikana had penned us together, expecting us to sort ourselves out. Could the Emperor have ever been more short-sighted?